Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good Tuesday morning. Asia-Pacific shares are trending lower this morning following mixed performance on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo and Sydney both down three quarters of a percent. Seoul is in the red as well. Investors have their eyes on U.S. Treasury notes as their yields rise, putting some pressure on stocks. Joining me now to break down all the market action is Ryan Huang. Ryan, have you started Christmas shopping yet? (laughs) I am looking around and I am Point for choice. Everything's online these days. I thought you would. And you might want to be even further motivated after we discuss our first story of the morning. We start this morning in China. Yes, we could talk about Evergrande, the Chinese property giant's debts issues, still a major concern. Or we could discuss Beijing's ban on cryptocurrencies. We'll get to that in a moment. But no, we're going to start with energy and how a major power shortage in China could be the next big shock to the world's financial markets. I don't mean to overplay the story, but local governments in China's manufacturing belt are ordering power cuts that could affect global supply chains. The cuts come at a particularly sensitive time as producers and shippers race to meet deadlines for holiday season delivery. So what's the extent of this power crunch and what's driving it, Ryan? Yeah, it's a story with many layers. So what is basically happening here? here is you've got rising demand for power and that is driving up surging coal and gas prices. And also on top of that, you've got Beijing trying to be greener overall and cutting emissions. So there's some standards to meet. So all of that is seeing companies, factories, production plants, all cutting back for various reasons. So first you have the target. Um, so they have to be greener. So fewer emissions, and some of the provinces and cities have been missing their annual reduction cuts. So that's putting pressure on many companies to stop producing, or in some cases, reduce what they've been doing. So that is going to be impacting the likes of uh, smelters, textile producers, soybean producing plants. So everything across the board that needs to be produced. And you also have, as the power demand goes up, the price of coal going up, but the Chinese regulators are not allowing the utilities rate to go up to cover the rising cost of coal. So what you have here is power companies just not motivated as much to produce electricity because they can't cover cover their costs. Mm. So you have a reduction in supply in power. So that is contributing to a very interesting scenario here where you have companies who have then, if they want to produce, continue producing, Mm -hmm. turn to alternative sources like just renting their own generators and just finding their own means to carry on. And that in turn is just seeing the cost of business going up because they have to pay for those generators, Mm. diesel fuel and whatnot. So in some cases, it's been cited as twice as expensive as previously when they had to uh, tap the grid as they would normally. I actually dreamt of this power crunch. I dreamt of its impact on supply chains. You dreamt of it? I had dreamt of it last night. Listen, Bloomberg is running a headline arguing that China's power shortage is the next big economic shock after Evergrande. Do you agree? Okay. uh, Did you dream about this as well in your electric dreams? (laughs) (laughs) So it will pan out according to what many people would expect, right? Higher costs, someone has to pay for it. And that could mean retailers or consumers down the road. And also when you think about it, um, many... U.S. tech companies, Apple, Microsoft, apparel companies produce their stuff in China. So if you have a lower production level, 
you can't sell as much. And that's going to be having an impact on earnings. So this could be something to watch out for when it comes to the next earnings season. Mm. And also when you look at the broader economic backdrop, if you think about the Chinese economy, some brokerages have already cut back on their expectations. Nomura, for example, has cut its forecast for this year for Chinese economic growth to 7.7%, down from 8.2%. So you have the prospects of business activity tapering off or reducing. So that could just mean slower growth in the near term until this clears up. Okay, so that's how the story could affect equity markets. I want to turn now to the U.S., where the latest installment of political brinkmanship is playing out as Republicans in the U.S. Senate have blocked a measure to raise the United States' debt ceiling. Now, if a deal is not reached or Democrats don't find a way to do this on their own, the U.S. risks defaulting on its debt. So before we dive into the politics, remind us why this is a big deal. I mean, what would the impact be on markets if Washington missed a payment on those U.S. Treasury bonds. Yeah, this issue comes back time and again, and every time it does, traders will be rolling their eyes because it's all about politics. And what we have here is pretty much, you could compare it to a credit card limit, right? And the US, you would know, has a lot of spending commitments and they borrow to spend. And every few years, they have to raise the credit limit in order to borrow more. So what you have here is the prospects of the credit limit not being raised if the gridlock remains. And right now, it's looking that way. So if you can't have the means to pay your bills, Mm. in this case, paying your salaries to civil servants, government agencies, no one's coming to work. And the functions of the various government arms won't be there. So it's going to be a partial government shutdown and it could mean in some ways a loss in business activity and also business confidence. So that could be something to watch out for. And if you think about what happened the last time this happened in 2011 when they actually couldn't raise the credit limit in time, the S&P Global Ratings Agency downgraded the country's credit um, rating down a notch below its top rating. So it does have implications to some things mm-hmm. in the real world, mm-hmm. the business world. So that is something to watch out for. All right, let's return to politics. Democrats say that the debt ceiling needs to be lifted as a result of Trump-era tax cuts and spending. Republicans say they won't support higher debt as long as Democrats are intent on passing that treat trillion US dollar spending package which they unanimously oppose a government shutdown meanwhile looms in the background it could happen as early as this week so I guess the next question is how does it look like this could all play out well it comes in many permutations right Mm. so you have this looming in the backdrop but like with most political issues it's connected to many things right how do you get this past the finishing line. And you could get it by the finishing line by giving concessions. And that's where the Democrats have to kind of strategize. Do they want to concede on some grounds and give Republicans what they want? And basically what Republicans want is to cut back on some of the Democrats' spending plans. So you might see some attachments of some commitments to do something that the Republicans want, cut back on their big infrastructure bill, for example, to a smaller size that the Republicans are satisfied with before Republicans will promise votes in return to raise the credit limit. So this is going to be a bit of a back and forth in the coming days. And so far, the Republicans have not been playing ball. They have been saber-rattling that they will 
shut down the government unless you know they get what they want. And so far, the Republican Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell has said, "No, it's the Democrats' business and their duty to raise the limit." And with the Congress split between both parties, fifty-fifty, you need sixty. It's still going to be quite a tough one to um, see it happen soon. Speaking of something connected to a lot of other things, time now for the world in crypto. Now, on Friday, the People's Bank of China announced a blanket ban on all cryptocurrency mining and trading. It's a move that's causing exchanges and service providers to sever ties with mainland Chinese clients, while China's announcement initially provoked selling. So if we look at the markets, it seems that the impact on crypto prices has been a sort of a short-term correction, short-lived, right? It seems that way. And of course, it's worth noting Beijing has been kind of warning of its stance on crypto for quite some time. But the latest one is really clear. No grey areas, no wiggle room. Mm. They pretty much say everything related to cryptocurrencies is illegal. So this is leaving a lot of people in the industry scrambling to adjust to this new normal. For example, we've got Huobi Global and Binance, two of the largest exchange exchanges globally, just trying to, in well, short, get rid of all the Chinese users they have. So they are not registering any new accounts and trying to offload the existing ones by the end of the year. And that's also part of the reason why there hasn't been such a strong reaction that some people feared uh, because they've been warning about it for quite some time. So some of the Chinese um, exchanges have been in recent months already adjusting by moving some of the operations elsewhere. So that could have mitigated some of the impact. And of course, elsewhere in the world, could be more bullish on crypto. We've heard how El Salvador is making or has made legal tender cryptocurrency like um, Bitcoin. Mm. And you do have support elsewhere. So it could be just a bit of volatile or volatility playing out in crypto space as usual. Mm. And if you look at where Bitcoin prices are right now, they did recover to their pre-crackdown levels. But now... In the early morning on Tuesday, it's mm. back down again. So, what is it now? It's at forty-three thousand. Okay. So that is the latest price for Bitcoin, or rather now it's forty-two thousand. Well, it was forty-three <laughs> last night. Last night, it's gone down slightly, and mm-hmm. Ether also down below three thousand right now, two thousand nine hundred. So for the week, Bitcoin is just pretty much flat. For the month, Bitcoin is down twelve percent. But for year-to-date, Bitcoin is up 50%. So it's quite a year of wild swings for crypto. Here at home, crypto investors are scrambling following news that Singapore's residents will not be able to use Binance.com anymore. So that ban on Binance takes effect in late October. I saw a scurry of messages online as local investors discussed the best ways to transfer their tokens off the Binance platform. So what's the latest here? Yeah, so this is following the pretty much global pressure on Binance because of regulatory issues. Mm -hmm. So what we have here follows the uh, warning by Singapore that Binance.com is not allowed to operate what it's been doing. Pretty much all related trades, um, anything that requires them to deposit fiat money, trade or buy crypto can't be done on Binance.com. So in relation to that, they have advised users in Singapore to stop doing so Mm -hmm. and to withdraw everything, redeem their tokens by October 26. So one month for them to do so. 
But it's worth noting, this will affect Binance.com and not Binance.sg. So they are set up as two separate entities. So officially, Binance.com does not have a license, but Binance.sg has applied for a license. So they are having their license under review. And while that is being reviewed, they can still operate Binance.sg, which will give some level of um, utility to some of these users. Not as much as Binance.com, but you can still use their services to some extent. I mean, they have fewer offerings and less liquidity, Binance.sg, compared to Binance.com. So can you just transfer your tokens from Binance.com to Binance.sg? I am not sure, actually. I have to read a bit deeper into this. It's uh, something that is very murky right now. I would have to take a quick look at this later on. We will get back to you on that, Ryan. Let's turn to a quick Tuesday morning game instead of up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Bond yields. Bond yields. They'll be up for me, and that's because it's up 1.5%, the highest since June. So that is off the back, of course, last week's FOMC uh, meeting, which was a bit more hawkish mm-hmm. than expected. So that's pushing up bond yields. And of course, the implications is bank stocks have been doing well. Up for me as well. Market jitters led investors to switch into bonds last week. That saw the yield on the 10-year US Treasury note down to 1.3%, but it is back up to nearly 1.5% now, which is, by the way, giving a boost to bank shares over in the US. Next, let's look at oil prices. Oil prices, that's going to be an up for me. So mm-hmm. we've seen um, oil prices on a bit of a rally in recent days. And right now it's pushing near $80 per barrel. And it's worth noting, Goldman Sachs is forecasting $90 per barrel by the end of the year. So the energy crunch, demand crunch is driving up prices. Yeah, that would be up for me as well. Uh, the energy crunch that we just started the show with really is affecting oil prices. Brent crude trading close to 80 US dollars a barrel. Okay, the next uh, item on my list is not a typical up or down question. Ryan, have you heard of Squid Game? I'm on episode three. Uh, have you watched it? Not yet. I keep seeing this hot new Korean series on Netflix. Well, investors are bidding up shares of companies linked to the show, including Bucket Studio, which is up 70% in the past three days. So do you like Squid Game? Okay, so I will compare it to something like Hunger Games. It's a bit of a survival kind of drama series, which takes you on a bit of a... Ah, dystopian reality. Kind of journey, questioning your own morals. and you know, What would you do in that character situation kind of thing? Oh. So it is quite enjoyable. It's still escapist. And it does give you a bit of an escape right now in COVID-19, <laughs> no? to a different parallel, the old dimension. So that is one of the most popular series right now on Netflix. And in turn, people have been wondering, you know, what to do if you want to ride on that popularity. And investors have been trying to play this trend by investing in things like Bucket Studio, which holds a stake in the lead actor's agency. So it's a very indirect proxy, but Mm, still it surged more than 70% in the past trading sessions. So (laughs) K-dramas really just giving people a more reason to invest in certain things. Yeah. Have you heard Chris Martin's duet with BTS? No, is it good? 
Yeah, apparently all things K are back in the spotlight again. There's even a great documentary about how that happened, this tie-up, Chris Martin and BTS. All right, one last story before we check in on the markets. Across the border in Johor, the state government is preparing a plan that could lead to the border reopening with Singapore for the first time since the start of the pandemic, more than a year and a half ago. What's the latest on this front? Yeah, so Singaporeans might have another place to explore beyond their backyard, right, (laughs) if this goes through. So a bit of a proposal is being put on the table through the daily commuting arrangement. So this will help to suggest some SOPs or operating procedures to talk about how they can reopen and manage the COVID-19 situation. And part of that is also seeing Johor um, ramp up the vaccination drive in that place so they can get more confidence and give um, Singaporeans more comfort when they are more confident when they go into Johor, if you have more people vaccinated there. So that is pretty much what's going on. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it happens soon. Yeah, especially for the families uh, who have been separated because of border closures between Singapore and Malaysia. Malaysia's overall vaccination rate, by the way, on track to hit 90% in the middle of October. Federal government is expected to lift restrictions on interstate travel, at least within Malaysia. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. Investors shrugged off tighter COVID-19 restrictions yesterday to bid shares higher. Banks led the way as the STI jumped one and a quarter percent to close at 3100. How's the STI doing this morning? Yeah, it's a bit of a down morning right now. It's lower by 0.4%, mm-hmm. 3,088. So giving back some of those gains from yesterday. And if you look at the action on, on the STI, it's more red than green right now. And just five names in the green. At the top, you've got Wilmer International up 0.7%. DBS, which was up yesterday by over 2%, is now extending those gains by 0.3%. But otherwise, UOB is flat and OCBC is down 0.6%. And let's take a quick look at what's at the bottom of the table. ST Engineering lower by uh, 2%. And you've got Capital Integrated Commercial Trust down Mm -hmm. by 1.4%. So it looks like quite a bit of a dampened mood amidst the backdrop of how the power crackdown in China might be slowing the growth prospects for um, the country. And of course, the rising bond yields just making markets a bit more nervous when it comes to repositioning. So that could be playing out for this um, Tuesday morning. Indeed, China's energy crisis shaping up as the latest shock to global supply chains. Evergrande allies, meanwhile, heading for the exit, and we discuss Squid Game today, sparking a stock surge. If you'd like to listen to this all over again, you certainly can. I'll tell you how in just a while. Stay with me. Coming up, we're going to explore ETFs. Yes, Stashaways has new thematic portfolios. We're going to dive into them at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.